Welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Wild, and I'm an author and mother. Here we have conversations on sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, cultivating thriving wellness, and much more. Listen to powerful birth and healing stories and topics on the wild woman experience. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and all the show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com. Now for the show. Welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. This is your host, Bethany Wild, and I'm grateful to all of you for being here and supporting the show by listening and sharing with friends and leaving a review. It really means so much to me and helps me to enjoy continue putting out all of these episodes, which I I just love. Um, so we've had quite a few birth stories lately, and this episode is another couple of beautiful birth stories. Since I chose a sovereign path for my first birth. I always have a spot in my heart for the stories of women who also choose that for their first time. I think it's very inspiring to women who want to be mothers one day and, you know, who are listening to podcasts like this and and listening to stories like this to know that it's possible for them and that they can manifest that. So Megan has a couple of beautiful stories and I connected in with her first story through her, uh, her art conception project on Substack, which I'm going to link in the show notes for you all to check out. I think for me, um, art and writing are truly the best ways that I've found to integrate these huge experiences like um the conception journeys we walk the the births that we go through the losses that we walk as women all of it i think writing and art are some of the best ways that we can find to um you know release and integrate and find beauty in and just give us a sense of peace and completion with all that we've walked through. So I think that maybe for those of you who are artists yourselves or don't really have a clear practice with it, this will probably inspire you checking out what she's created and give you, like I say in the episode, kind of a model for what is possible for you to create. It's really beautiful. So before we get into the stories, I just want to give a little update on my shop for any of you that feel drawn to the herbal elixirs that I create for wild women and wild mothers. I have my herbal prenatal elixir still up. I just actually started a new batch yesterday should be ready in about a moon cycle if you happen to get on there and it's already sold out. I think there's a few bottles left as of me recording this, but um, yeah, it shouldn't be too long of a wait. 
And then I'm also really excited to say that I am also sharing a new blend that I've loved taking pretty much every day. I haven't really shared much about my experience with quitting coffee um, and that whole journey and how hard it's been this time around, but I've really found some of the best um, replacements for that are cacao and matcha. So This is an herbal matcha blend that you can drink every day. It's safe for pregnant women, for nursing women. It's safe for long-term use. I purposefully did not include any adaptogens in it, which is a whole other rabbit hole that I won't go into uh, right now. Maybe in a future episode, I'll talk about um, a lot of the information out there about how adaptogens are really only meant to be used for a short period of time, times where you were not depleted and you're in good health, and how so many of us do use those herbs on a long-term daily basis and um, really to push past our reserves and in a sense in times of depletion. So in this blend, I purposefully not put any of those in there. So it's matcha, a really high quality ceremonial grade matcha, collagen powder, another really high quality source from, from Great Lakes. And then I've also included nettle and oat straw powder are extremely nutritive, nutrient-dense herbs. Straw is calming to your nervous system. It's just been such a perfect blend for me, and I know that it will serve women who feel drawn to it. So you can find all the full details about that in my Etsy shop. The link is in the show notes. As always, you can feel free to reach out to me with questions or if you have a birthing and power, healing story, wild woman story to share, you can reach out to me at bethanywildinfo at gmail.com. All right, so let's enjoy and tune into the beautiful Megan and her power stories. together now wild sisters singing over the bones wild sisters of the earth we together now wild sisters singing over the bones so my birth story really began as soon as i met my partner in the spring of 2018 and um, that's really the, the starting point for me because I feel like our connection was the root of everything that began to unfold and, um, yeah, kind of like the journey that I was being invited on truly is like entwined with, with my partner and our, our whole story. Um, I knew from the very beginning when I even had this like inkling of, am I yeah this inkling of having a baby 
that was the also the beginning of totally unraveling everything to do with medicalized birth industry. Um, and so my path was very clear in that sense. As soon as I was kind of tapping into this idea of conscious conception, which I did not know at the time, I never heard that term. Um, but in retrospect, it is totally like what I now, like if a woman shared her story, that that was the same as mine, I would totally define that as a conscious conception journey. Like it was a, a sort of like invitation into realignment of my own life in um, like with the invitation of this kind of like my actual spirit baby to like call her in. So it was kind of at the beginning, like an unconscious conscious conception, but then I was led to podcasts that were using that term, free birth society that was using that term. Um, and I just kind of like got on board with like, oh yeah, I guess that's what's happening right now for me then. Um, and so in the work that I created to tell the story of my conscious conception, which is called A Conception and Lives on Substack, that was my sort of integration process um, after the birth of my daughter. So the conscious conception kind of like really unfolded over like many years, like three years kind of, because if I met my partner in 2018, she was born in 2021. Um, and that whole time was just kind of like this slowly but surely, um, yeah, like true uh, little threads coming through and then like inviting me to follow them feeling very compelled to explore certain themes. Um, and I just went for it. Like I just kind of decided that that's what I was gonna be following. And so the whole story was just there. Um, and so the creation process of that project, like going back and trying to express the story is just something that I talk about that um, I feel was like such a huge part of my initiation into motherhood itself because it really did allow me to integrate my experience of the conscious conception and pregnancy and birth, of course, into this, like, reflecting on it as a creative act and as this, like, conscious creation process. And so it was in the, like, deepest realm of creation, of creating life. And then the project itself was, like, a very creative endeavor for me to explore all of my own, like, what, what that all meant to me. Um, and if you read it, the kind of like the, the truest kind of like healing and like real integration process that I feel like I went through with it was healing from my own birth story, my own when I was born in the hospital story, because that's all woven in in this kind of yeah multimedia way. I like decided to use the medium of poetry to share that story. One is like kind of a, a device to separate the story to like indicate this was like a separate thing. Um, but also because that medium actually ended up being way easier to express these like way more like challenging, even kind of like unfathomable, th unfathomable things that were coming up for me about my own birth story. Poetry was a really free flowing way for me to like get that out there. Um, and I think that that is, that's just what I talk about when I talk about the idea of the creative process. It's like finding the right medium for the story that needs to be told. Um, and really what is being asked of you to like, to, to seriously move through and then actually be transformed by. Like it's within the, 
the expression process that I think the transformation happens and truly like a deep healing. Like I, I really truly believe if we engage in the creative process to its, to its fullest potential, it is healing and it is transformation. And it just kind of allows us to step into these like truer and truer versions of ourselves. Cause it's like clearing the past and rewriting the story and all of that. So that's truly what the, a conception project meant to me. And it's now the work that I'm trying to do in the world to kind of share with women, like not only my birth story, um, because that was total like sovereign birth path that I'm so now dedicated to and passionate about and love talking about, but also this idea of expressing our stories and becoming the women who like now walk in the world with these stories and like really figuring out what that means for each of us because I think it is this like real like reclamation of our true creative natures and the more women who step into that for themselves just like the more amazing offerings and like amazing world we'll live in because we're all co-creating it from this like really really deep place. Yeah it's a beautiful project everyone should read your story in full. I was I was thinking I would just read here and there but it, I just spent I spent the whole Saturday morning just going through each one it was just so beautiful and once you yeah once you get into a story you you have to know how it unfolds so yeah I'd love to hear this so you how old were you when um when you first felt the connection with your daughter and like got the desire to be a mother and just, just tell us about that. Um, Cause I know it seemed like everyone else in your life was not at all in that place. So it was really just divine how that totally. happened. Yeah. So it was right after my mm -hmm. 21st birthday that I met my partner and that was kind of, yeah. And it, it came through in such an interesting way. Like it was, it was immediate in the sense of like, the story with my partner was so immediate. Like as soon as we met, like we were basically never apart again. Um, but then the, the, the little whisper of like, yeah, becoming a mother was a little bit gradual in a sense. And then also a little bit obvious <laughs> because I was kind of like four months later, I kind of like quote unquote thought that I was pregnant, but I really wasn't like I, or I knew that I wasn't, but I knew that something was like happening around that. So, and that's kind of why I like, so am yeah. like very confident in calling that a conscious conception. Cause it was almost like the reality of pregnancy and birth came through me. <laughs> so it was almost like from that moment on, yeah. like I was never like not pregnant again, but obviously not actually pregnant. So it was like such a, and like from then on, it was like every cycle I was moving mm -hmm. through, like, could that be? And like, just like really dreaming into all of these possibilities, but not really in the sense of like, and now I'm desperate to become a mother or like my desire to become a mother is like so strong. It was more just like this curiosity of like what the path meant. And along that path was so much like unraveling my like trauma from my, like my own experience in the medical system. Um, like learning about free birth for the first time. Like all of those things were just kind of like beckoning me along that path and it was ultimately leading into motherhood and so that was kind of like the ultimate desire but it wasn't like just that kind of 
obsession. It was like many, many other things were coming through that I was trying to piece together at yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were preparing because it, it would be torture to be desiring it truly every single month for three years. That would be very hard. Totally, totally. But and it, it was like, like it was a bit it was a bit conflicting yeah, yeah. because it felt like that that's what I wanted or that's what I wanted to orient to. But my life had no like room for that or like what my life, everything in my life wasn't about that. So it felt like I was literally going to have to change my life in order to like allow that to happen. And so that's where it was conflicting. I was like, okay, but like, this is what I'm doing. And it, this doesn't seem to fit into that. So what does that mean for me? Mm hmm. Yeah. And my, my beliefs and feelings around this, it's like when you first get that desire, it's to me, it felt like the spirit baby, that soul like made a, an energetic cord connection with me. And they were like living within my field for like starting then kind of, and then, you know, guiding you along the way towards the time. So it's like, they did, they do kind of like incarnate in a sense that they make that connection. That's how it felt for me. Yeah. So I, I totally that's interesting yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And the presence. Yeah. And I, and it's interesting too. It's not like I really had any of these inclinations before this time, you know, like I was, I loved babies and I loved kids, but it still wasn't like, if anyone asked me like what I was doing, like, I was like, I'm going to have a baby as soon as possible. That was, it still wasn't even that. So that's what was kind of interesting to me that mm -hmm. like her presence really sparked that entire thing and like I really do think it was her specific spirit and then and it's just when you read mm -hmm. the story too like and and that's what's so interesting about trying to go back and like retell a story in like a linear way especially these like very like spiralic journeys that I feel like women engage with like this has actually been unfolding for me like my entire life in a spiralic way but then I was trying to yeah. put it in a chronological order which is a, a really good practice like it's actually very helpful it's like yeah almost the I think the only way that we can like express or like manifest these stories to be seen is by putting them into a structure it's like a helpful yeah. way to frame it for yourself first and foremost um so when I yeah when you go back and see it like it really does read as a pretty like <laughs> specific path like first this happens <laughs> then I got this clue then the next thing then the next thing and mm -hmm. like especially in the like geography of it so like my partner and I met on the east coast then um we ended up moving to the west coast as soon as we moved there we find like the house that she's going to be born in and she's conceived on the first cycle of being there you know so it's like as soon as we like mm -hmm. arrive to the place that we were led that's when it's time but until then it just like isn't time because it wasn't like we weren't there yet so that that was interesting yeah. and then it, it of course felt like that but you can also when you're just in the day-to-day -day, kind of being like wait like what am I doing like what or like what what does this mean to like still be like yeah following this like kind of just very intuitive and like magical seeming signs and symbols everywhere um, but then like in retrospect, yeah. you really can compile and be like, yeah, it's because all of that was making perfect sense in perfect order. That's yeah, that's the perfect way to say it. That's how it feels in the moment. You're just like being led along. It really is like, yeah, our children like help move us along and guide us to where we need to go. And it's like, yeah, it's like having kind of spirit guides. And then in, in retrospect, we look back and 
it all makes sense. Totally. Well, yeah. you could start when you get pregnant if you want and then have people uh, read and tune into all of that, the work that you did before, because that might be easier to speak about chronologically. Um, just like when you arrive at this place in the West Coast and how it feels. Um, yeah, and your pregnancy, you could share about that if, if you like. Sure. Yeah, the pregnancy was, it, it felt like, honestly like this massive reprieve from the whole like having to reorient and like get clear on like what was happening as soon as I got pregnant I was like oh okay like now I've like arrived at this kind of like thing that I thought that was that I was aiming towards and I really got to just like be with that so you'll see like the timeline of that is so interesting too because it's like the peak covid moment like it, it is it was kind of the yes. turning point it was yes. like march 2020 like <laughs> where we had to decide like are we going to stay on the east yeah. coast which i was like i intuitively felt that was not the place to be anymore um and so we just kind of i i just took the opportunity to also be like a total recluse in the forest and just like yeah be pregnant and have a total wild pregnancy and um Honestly, that was probably like the first moment that I was able to start integrating the whole journey of having got there because yeah, that's like all that I had to do. I didn't, there was no other demands. Like it was like a perfectly orchestrated moment in time for me to just land, be pregnant, settle into this new place, totally know that like that's where she was going to be born um, slowly but surely call in my people for that birth too. So I had two sisters who I didn't even really know, like one of them I connected with online and she was just like happened to be coming into BC. And then another one was actually a friend of my partner's who had gone through her own very interesting like birth journey, like a kind of like a couple years prior. And then actually like, <laughs> um, and so we asked her like would she be interested in attending my birth and then lo and behold and so she said yes and that was like all planned and then when she arrived she had realized that she was actually eight months pregnant at that time too so we actually Wait. had like Wait. yeah <laughs> she no eight that so was eight, the first time she found out yeah eight okay weeks pregnant Jeez. sorry <laughs> okay she was eight <laughs> weeks pregnant, newly newly pregnant with her uh first would go on to be a full-term baby um so we've just had like very interesting beautiful path of like going into motherhood together and so just that like it was following in the exact same way that I had been intuitively following this like path to where I would birth my baby I just like called in these women it was totally like what I needed at that time just like two women like my exact age almost like I would describe it now as like we were all on the exact same path in a sense, but from a different perspective. So like the one woman was like very interested in attending births and like learning about birth from that perspective. My other friend had kind of like, yeah, I've gone through this like pregnancy experience and was like approaching it from that perspective. And then I was approaching it from like, I, I want to learn birth by like giving birth, like actually like stepping into that and, and doing it firsthand. And so that's how I see our little constellation and like why we were called all together for that birth. Um, in my mm -hmm. second birth, I, I totally like I was 
I didn't need any of that anymore of like the witnessing or like believing that I needed other people's perspectives in my birth space. Um, and maybe I can like get to that if I, if I walk through the second pregnancy. Um, but yeah, the, that first pregnancy, gorgeous. I just got to be in the forest, eat whatever I wanted. I was, I was kind of going on like a, you know, like nutrition journey of just like ridding myself of any like, guilt eating or like thinking that I had like any rules other than what felt good to eat like that was just like a total reclamation process that I'm now totally like into and works for me like <laughs> I don't have any like real issue and I didn't have like like super weird things I kind of had like um maybe like yeah like a sugar addiction in a sense of like always craving it and then I kind of like stopped eating sugar for a little bit and now I don't crave sugar at all and I can eat it whenever I want type thing um so those little things were just like the only thing that I had to devote my energy to I didn't step foot in a doctor's office I didn't like worry about any of those types of like yeah measures or tests or whatever like it just it, I had already gotten to the point like and you can see when you read the story of the conscious conception like that was part of that journey it was like getting rid of any belief that I was going to need any sort of medical intervention whatsoever and like really arriving to that place in like a super grounded like yeah like that was a pretty easy process for me I wasn't tempted in any way to go back into it yeah. how did you feel about birth leading up to birth and kind of the end of pregnancy did you do anything specific to prepare did you just kind of feel like it was going to unfold primarily how it would yeah definitely the latter like I was just in very like trusting and yes. and honestly not wanting to overthink it or like believe that I like if I like because if I had this idea that like I needed to do something in order for it to happen like I didn't want to stress myself out in that sense kind of so I had like a very like I had a birth altar I had like affirmations uh when my friend from the east coast did arrive she kind of she was there for a couple weeks leading up to the birth which was just so wonderful like we just had a lot of time to prepare and like cook together and yeah like make things we made like a little birth bunting so like little flags with affirmations on it that now um I've used twice and she's used once uh, in her birth space so it's Aww. kind of like a traveling <laughs> traveling birth bunting um but yeah just like that energy mm -hmm. like cultivating the energy like the sacred energy of the space I always knew what room she was going to be in it was like a super tiny apartment anyway so it's kind of obvious but also like it, energetically it was like a basement apartment and so the back corner of the place was like truly in the earth like if you had like it was on like a slope and then like dug in as a basement and so that back corner was like the deepest into the earth and so it really felt like super cavey and like boomy. yeah so that was a good energy and I just knew that I you was there were, that. there were like mushrooms growing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. When we first, yeah yeah we like <laughs> so ripped cool. up a carpet and when we first looked in that dank corner there was literal little yeah. mushrooms which we love. Like that was like a bad. beautiful symbol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a total mushroom. A lot baby of mold, too, so. probably, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just her spirit and the mushroom coming up, and yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, yeah. I I did the like normal or not well, yeah, what some women do in their first birth. Like I had the birth tub, and that felt like 
a nice option and she did she was she ended up being born in there um but yeah just like chill I had like one <laughs> prenatal massage or maybe a couple prenatal massages which actually turned out to be kind of helpful in the end because we got that woman to be like one of our birth witness people because we didn't super organize ourselves very well for like the birth certificate applications so just like those little things I didn't like engage with the medical system at all but I had enough like yeah threads to to submit some documents which you know is a good good way to play it um yeah and other than that I was just very just like trying to be more and more present and I think that has been part of my journey as well of like yeah really coming back into the present moment and mindfulness and um like groundedness which I just feel like even yeah like kind of three years out of that I've just like continued to deepen and yeah it would be really interesting if you could like go back into that moment of like how I felt eight months pregnant in my first pregnancy I wonder like yeah how I feel differently now but I do remember just being very like at ease and so curious like so just like in awe kind of of birth and like Maybe I wouldn't probably have used the word excited then because I would use the word excited in my second birth. And like in this moment, if I were to give birth again, I would say I would be excited to give birth. I probably wasn't there yet. I was like definitely more like a little bit like apprehensive and like not in a scared way, just in a like what is going to happen way. And and I hadn't quite stepped into that idea of like birth can be incredible and amazing and like fun in a sense I was pretty like I'm so committed to stepping into this like daunting task of birth whereas I do think I've actually come through now into like this is actually just like like yeah an amazing experience and I'm so excited to do it I wasn't quite there yet mm -hmm. Okay, so I definitely want to hear about the second birth then so maybe you can share with us uh, the first birth and then what came after that? Great. Okay. I would love to. And I'll try to, yeah, I'll like try to bridge them. There is like the in-between both of them, a whole like other, like kind of the, the worst chapter of this whole story is in there. But I think that, yeah, I'll, I'll try to I'll, like briefly touch on it too. It's like the dark before the light of like the next, uh, yeah, the next chapter. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the birth. Yeah. So on Sunday... March 8th uh like yeah just after just before midnight on Sunday I was going to bed and I felt some waters release and in a set it wasn't like a huge like dramatic gushing but totally enough to be like oh okay I think like something's happening now um or something's starting and so I like told Sophia and we were both like giddy and excited but it was totally just like late at night and I wasn't feeling anything else. And so I was like, I just went back to bed. Then I woke up kind of like early in the like, yeah, 2 a.m. or something like that. And, and again, just kind of like giddy and like, ooh, okay, like, wow, like something's happening and must be happening. So I'm gonna like, whatever. Like I, I kind of was excited and wanted to get up and like wanted to see what was gonna be going on, but nothing was going on. So I kind of like hung out in the kitchen and like ate some snacks and like made some electrolyte water or whatever and was like okay like waiting and like so so early and so ultimately went back to bed and woke up the next morning 
then that day totally felt like a very special day. Like it was just, yeah, like the energy of that day was, um, yeah, like something magical is, is unfolding. And um, the sensations that I felt throughout the entire labor were all in my low back. So any sensation that was beginning would have been that. It would have been like the first things that I felt was like a tightening and that would just kind of progress all day. That morning we went on a walk. I had been going to this little spot by the river my entire pregnancy. And so that just felt like a really special place to like, yeah, kind of culminate that pregnancy. I totally knew on that day that it would be the last time that I went there without my baby. <clears throat> and so we like walked down there and I remember, yeah, it was just like like yeah back pain every once in a while and I was calling that like I was in labor and my partner was excited my friend was excited and it was such like a beautiful sunny day <clears throat> and yeah just a gorgeous day so that was like early in the morning and then by that time we had let the other woman who was gonna come know that like we thought that today was the day and she was like four hours away so she was like okay I'll like I'll like head over to you and so we went back to our place and then it was just like kind of this slow day of like I totally yeah like deepened into sensations it was all this back sensation and so I didn't yeah know what I was waiting for like anything at all obviously but definitely all I wanted to do was like lay on the ground and sit on the ball and and do that kind of vibe so like my consciousness was so like floaty and just like totally getting ready to descend into this place um and like I did that all afternoon the sun is like beautiful my other friend arrived and at that point it kind of felt like a bit of a like yeah like there's just like different chapters and so like when she arrived that chapter began and I was kind of yeah just like even more out of this world and like going into birth world um but just like in such a, like a slow way like nothing was like super intense um and then by the time the sun went down we were all just yeah hanging out I was um in the room that I would like ultimately give birth in um but we weren't like setting anything up or or stuff like that and I don't exactly remember the time, but the kind of turning point was when we had pulled out, we had like a pullout couch. And I remember I was lying in between my partner and Sophia. And at that time it was definitely like the first time things started actually ramping up. Like I would have to like get up between sensations and like really they were intensifying. And so at that time, everyone decided that that could be a good time to set up the birth tub. And so they did that. I kind of moved out of the room while they were doing that so I wouldn't be super distracted and I went into my bedroom and I remember that as like um, an uncomfortable time of like the sensations were getting super intense and I was like oh wow okay this is what's happening or, and I was also pretty curious about this whole like back sensation thing because that is truly the only sensation I ever felt like an intensity uh, growing in my low back there was nothing in like what I would call my cervix like I never felt that type of um sensation um so which would kind of play a part like in like a later time of the birth so uh once the birth tub was set up I was like excited to get in there and it was, it was like great they like made it perfect temperature and whatever and so I was hanging out in there and what I had pictured 
um, when I had like envisioned my birth was like having uh, a back and forth between the birth tub and then like a nest of pillows on the ground beside it. And so I just like set that up for myself and it was like exactly what I wanted. And so I think I just went, yeah, back and forth from the birth tub to the pillows for many hours. Um, and my friends and my partner just kind of rotated. There would be like at least one of them, mostly just one of them with me at any given time. And then I have no idea what they did at the other times, took naps and whatever. Um, so yeah. And I remember too, like, so that would have been like, now we're like entering the night. And what I knew intuitively was that I just needed to get through the night and that she would be born in the morning. Like she would be like a sunrise baby, which is actually interesting. That's like my own story too. I was born at like 5.55 in the morning actually. And um, yeah, that was my sense. Like I have to like get through the night and then she will be born. Um, and I didn't have like a good sense of time and I wasn't keeping track of time. And my birth keepers were doing a good job of also not telling me the time and like whatever. So at one point my partner said the time and my birth keeper was like, no, 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 she, 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 like, don't tell her. <laughs> um, so that I didn't have to know like how many hours would like that the night was still going to unfold kind of thing, but I didn't care anyway. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a whatever. I was just like, yep, I'm going to get through the night. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I did. Those like deep in the like early morning hours were like definitely the most intense. I had a lot of like feeling like I needed to escape my body and like that the intensity was just too much. And so I remember like kind of spinning around in the birth tub, just like, yeah, wanting to escape the whole thing. Um, but not in a like practical way, just in a like, it's actually so intense that I like couldn't like sink into it. And I remember that was kind of my, um, or like one thing that one of my birth keepers really supported me with was like bringing my consciousness back down first through the sounds that I was making. So like lowering the pitch and also just like re like, or like bringing my consciousness back down into like my womb space as opposed to being so high up. And that was super helpful. Um, but yeah, I kind of just, yeah, like went, went through it and like did what I had to do, like rolled on the ground and said different things. I didn't have necessarily mantras come through, but definitely like words that needed to be spoken. Um, I had like a nice, well, yeah, the most intense time with the second birth keeper and she like said some like really affirming things. Um, I definitely got into like a pretty whiny, complainy mode, which, um, yeah, like I don't, mm. I don't need any more, you know, like, I feel like even that is like totally different than how I would approach birth now. Like it's so unnecessary <laughs> or, and, and it's, it was necessary for me in that mm. moment. And that's like totally fine. And just so interesting to reflect on, like, that was just a choice that I made to be whiny in that moment. Um, and then, so yeah, super intense, totally like getting into uh, okay then actually what I will say is that I didn't really I wasn't following into like oh and this is leading to like this is all happening because I'm about to give birth I was getting a little bit lost in the intensity and in the most intense moment I really kind of had forgotten what was going on and so I was like uh, getting a little bit confused about like if my baby was even coming or like what was going on supposedly um because what I think it was like in my head because I hadn't had any sensations that felt like in my womb space they were only in my back 
I was getting all caught up in like, had anything actually happened, quote unquote, in my, in my whatever cervix or mm -hmm. like womb to open at all. And was that like, had nothing happened and was nothing actually happening? And is there even a baby? And I was just like very confused in, in a, in a moment, probably like a transition moment. And again, all my people, there's, um, my, my vision that I have is like, actually all three of them were in front of me, uh, as I was in the birth tub. And that was like the like peak moment where I was kind of confused and like, I don't know what's happening. And my one birth keeper said, Megan, like, that's your baby. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, right. True. Um, and actually I need that baby to come out right now. Like, cause I'm done <laughs> with dealing, like, I can't bear this anymore. And so her emergence was a pretty like intense moment of I was like okay like yeah I'm getting the baby out like she's coming now um and I I guess I pushed it wasn't like a super conscious but just like like my body was already doing that and I was like ready to get her out so I just pushed and out she came like her head came out first I think there was a bit of time in between her head and her body but I don't remember that at all to my mind she just like came right out landed in the water and then I picked her up um and then obviously it all made sense <laughs> to me. Like I, like, yeah, here's my baby. And um, she was so familiar to me and just so like, yeah, it was such a glorious moment of like holding the little baby that I had felt like I had known for so long. And like, it's just so obvious that it was her, like, and I felt that with both my babies too. Like as soon as they come out, it's like, so I don't need to like even necessarily check that they were girls. Like it's just like them immediately. And so then I was just, yeah, in that tub and like, like cuddling her and very soon wanted to get out because I was cold and all my people were so supportive and like wrapped me up, fed me some like not so delicious food, which I wish that wasn't <laughs> like calling in Aww. the best <laughs> postpartum. That's food. too bad. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and I'm very food inclined too. So I don't know why I let that happen, but um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and lo and behold, like she was born, like as the sun rose in Maple Ridge, BC that day, it was like, it was like almost exactly the time that I was born. Like we don't say it's 555. I think we say that it's 558. Um, but it was like exactly yeah, what I had fast. thought. Yeah. Yeah. And the sun was like just peeking through the like very like crack in the basement window. Um, and then when I moved into my bedroom, it was just like the most beautiful day. And so then we had this like really gorgeous day. Just like, yeah, getting to know our baby. And that was, yeah, really, really sweet. Oh, there's just something so, I mean, I only have one birth, like full term birth. So I just... Yeah, it's just the most magical thing the the first time it happens, like to behold your creation and yeah. Just feels like oh, there's okay. never been a more yeah, more perfect moment. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun to to, to tap back Aww. into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, after that it was just like full-blown initiation into motherhood which was you know great yeah. and challenging in all the ways um because I was super isolated like that kind of gift of the isolation in the pregnancy time kind of yeah translated into just being really alone in like the first year of mothering my partner had like a full-time corporate job so he was and he had like a huge commute that was like really the the 
reason that we didn't want to keep doing that is because like his job was far away and he was just driving and it was like yeah really wearing on both of us but it wasn't like I think it was exactly what I needed like it was again like this integration space that I got to do on my own which is kind of good it's like the way that I work um and it was seriously the time that I started working on the a conception project because like I was blessed with a baby who slept into the morning. So I would kind of like, if she woke up at around like 5 a.m., I would feed her and then she would fall back asleep and she could sleep sometimes till like 10 a.m. And so I would get up and then have this like really beautiful, creative morning time. And that's when I did the entire thing. Or like definitely when I started like piecing it together or like being like, what, how am I going to like tell the story and like do the thing? And I like set up a little makeshift studio in like the front room of that weird apartment. And that was just great. Like that was like such a significant part of my like initiation into motherhood was having that space to process things and like create things and feel just like so, so lit up by that. If I did that in the morning, my whole day just felt so like, yeah, I felt great the rest of the day if I was able to do that. And then we just kept up our like forest walks and we had this dog. So I had to like take care of that dog. Like it just kind of, yeah, I just got into rhythms of care and that it worked for me but not really on like I I could tell it wasn't on like a like a long-term in a long-term way where we were gonna like dig in roots there um the place was too small the entire like context of like where it was was not going to work for us at all um and so by the time my daughter was about one we were ready to like take off into like the next chapter um which was all very unclear like we didn't have we knew like what we didn't want and then we knew what we were moving towards like we've always had this vision of living in community but we have no idea what that means um we knew we like definitely wanted to be around more families and at that time my my the birth keeper who had been pregnant had had her baby too and so we were just kind of orienting to move back to the east coast where my partner's from and where we had met and all that uh because that's where she lived and she like supposedly had this community and this is where I'm not going to get into like the deep part of this story. Maybe like in some time or place, I like share the whole story. But essentially, we did end up like leaving the West Coast and like leaving everything because all we had was like our truck, <laughs> not even a moving truck, just our truck full of like our belongings because we had thought that we were going to be kind of moving into this communal place that would have regular kitchen stuff and blah, 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 blah. Um, so really like, yeah, let go of all of our material possessions and took the leap back into the, uh, void essentially to like build our life in community. And then unfortunately that really didn't pan out. So we had this like one nice summer in Nova Scotia in when that was kind of like the honeymoon phase of the community. But again, very soon after that, it was clear that that wasn't also a long-term like sustainable place mm -hmm. at all for our family um and we really were left with that truck <laughs> and hardly anything um and ended up having to move in with Sean's parents who like and like seriously into the house that he grew up in on the east coast which is in like a smaller town even um and that's where we had to spend like the darkest winter just like and, uh, and I use the word dark in like a very intentional way because it was just like an unclear time like it was where like the path kind of got super dark and cloudy in front of our eyes and we couldn't see where we were going it all seemed very bleak because Sean had uh 
left his job. I didn't have a job. I was like working on kind of how am I going to share my, my work in the world? That was just a huge, I was deep in the process of trying to articulate that and like develop that. Um, and so, yeah, that was like a, a, a dark winter, but we really like my partner and I are pretty committed to like the vision that we hold for our lives. And we're not people who are going to like compromise it in any way. So we weren't even tempted again to like go get regular jobs or like go try to pretend to play along. We were like, no, like there's something that we have to do and we will do it. <laughs> it looks like there's nothing mm -hmm. here, but somehow like we just really, and I think that's what I learned from my first conscious conception journey. It was like, you don't know how it's all going to pan out, but if you like if you want it, you can have it. And so like, if you keep moving towards that and you really don't give up on it, you like persevere towards that, it is unfolding. Like inevitably it is unfolding if you believe that it is. And so we were both like really committed to that. And we like moved through it in whatever way we needed to. Amazingly, like once again, it was kind of, if I think back, it was like me yet again, cultivating time and space for myself to have um, an outlet for creativity because living with Sean's parents, like we actually had support. We had more support than when we were in BC with no family around. And so they would take my daughter like parts of the day and I would have this time to be like, again, like working. It's always funny. Like it was two basements, you know, like kind of these like underground, like dark places where I was trying to like make sense of everything. Um, so yeah, that was, it was not fun in any way, but in retrospect, and as I put that on the timeline of the story, such a significant time for my partner and I to get super clear on what we wanted and just kind of be stripped bare of like any other superfluous things because we just seriously had nothing. And then, yeah, like mm -hmm. I think like so many people who kind of go through that like stripping process and like come out realizing like the gifts that they have like the things did come through my partner found what he now calls his dream job which is a remote like online very convoluted thing but that he loves doing and can do from anywhere and so he got that job and then I swear like the timeline is very fuzzy I have no idea at all really but like maybe a month later after we found out that he got that and he like started doing the job and it was great and he like started making money again I realized that I was pregnant. And at that time, again, if I like think back, like I was probably around four months pregnant at the time that I realized that I was pregnant. So in that whole dark time, we had also <laughs> apparently <laughs> conceived like, yeah. Oh, so you're unfair on the days. Very unfair okay. on the days. <laughs> wow. Yes. I, I never got my cycle back in between these pregnancies. So I haven't had a cycle in like, oh, like four years. Um, and so I had no kind of timeline. And I was just like pretty unconscious because it was such an uncomfortable time, like emotionally and spiritually and whatever. And like a lot of doubt, like I feel like I wasn't as present in my body um, in, in many ways. And so I definitely don't have the like marker and now I could like based on when I gave birth I can kind of be like oh wow I was probably like really pregnant like four months pregnant and the reason that we kind of realized <laughs> that's a wild pregnancy yeah oh yeah like the most like a feral <laughs> pregnancy <laughs> well, you don't have no idea when you're gonna give birth <laughs> yeah yeah love it <laughs> and that that was definitely the like initiation part two so 
this one I kind of have been yeah. jokingly calling like a subconscious conception <laughs> because I feel like I definitely <laughs> consciously consented to the entire story like that would unfold from it but I wasn't I, I my my own consciousness wasn't even on the level of like being present with how it was unfolding and so yeah that was such an epic time because and I just think it's so divinely it was divinely unfolding because if my partner had not gotten that job when he did or if we didn't know that he had that job by the time I realized that I was pregnant which again I totally could have realized I was pregnant at like one month if I had like more like uh, intense symptoms or whatever but I didn't I didn't realize until I already knew that that was kind of like a, a security for us um and that somehow that that actually could be possible to like say yes to another baby. And so I really believe, and even that it wasn't like an immediate yes or anything. I had a whole kind of night where I had to go through like every emotion starting from like denial <laughs> and then like annoyance and then mm -hmm. kind of this whole like shame spiral again, which I talk about in the first one too, of like having to work through like what what will everyone think? And how could I have let this happen? Like all these kind of like weird, yeah, not, not really how I feel about it, but definitely like some like imposed feelings that I had to work through. But like, I think kind of happens like exponentially, I worked through those ones in like one night. Like if with my first daughter, I was working through that for like three years leading up to her conception. This one's been like even more intense and like, okay, you're like, going through it and you're going to get to the other side actually in this one night and so that was very epic but by the time I woke up the next morning on that like yeah the first day that I realized I was pregnant I was like on board again I could kind of like I had finally tapped into like oh my gosh like okay like who's this spirit then and like in a similar way to my first daughter I totally feel like I connected with her I actually recognized who it was from this time right after my first daughter was born and this is actually one of my favorite parts of her story um there was the the most beautiful azalea tree that I had ever seen so sometimes there are bushes but this one was just like the most gorgeous tree with these like dark green leaves and it bloomed kind of like maybe like May around May and so my daughter was born in March and this was blooming in May and I remember the day that I walked by it and it's like most beautiful lush um colors it was like the like fuchsia pink or like really really dark pink uh or like yeah bright pink um and I remember I kind of got the sense of like a spirit baby from that and there was like this color and then there was azalea um and that whole like zed and names have always been super potent for me in terms of like connecting with this with the babies I kind of like intuit their name and then that helps me to like understand who they are and so I got the name for this baby in that time and then when I like got pregnant the second time and like tapped back into it I realized that it, it was that baby and that was just consistent the whole time it was that color that pink color and then this name um Zadia based on Azalea um I totally just was like oh I'm actually like pretty confident that that's who it is and that she told me like way back when that she was there and I just hadn't really realized or like it wasn't part of the process this time for her to be like so present um but that was just so affirming to me to be like oh I actually can yeah tap back into what's going on and like the 
divine wisdom of this baby and like she just seems even more like magical <laughs> not more just like her magic is like extremely like potent and specific and like okay like I'm coming in I'm gonna like yeah come into your consciousness at the perfect time so that you can be like yeah ready for the next part at the certain time and I guess that's again exactly how I would describe the first conscious conception but it was just in this like new level um so yeah basically I realized I was pregnant um and then and because my partner had that job we were like we actually have options we have no ties to anything we have no stuff like let's take this as an opportunity to like do whatever we want to do and I had never like consciously wanted or like thought about moving to Costa Rica but all of a sudden that felt like an imperative and like this baby wanted to be born in Costa Rica and that we just should go to Costa Rica like that's our next move and we just decided that that's what was going to happen and that whole story is just pretty much each step along the way we just figured out how that would happen so um kind of like a week after I realized I was pregnant, I was like looking on Airbnb. I felt extremely called to this one Airbnb, which we ended up uh, living in. I'm still living there now. And I feel like that was just like, yeah, perfectly divinely orchestrated because it's in like a perfect place with the perfect climate and it's the perfect like layout. And there's like a park and like a lawn. Like there's just like all these like things that you would never even know to look for in an Airbnb or whatever but it just like happens to be perfect in all of these ways not to mention like it was the perfect place to just low-key give birth <laughs> because we didn't like overtly tell anybody but yeah and so and just all of that and that's kind of all the like nitty-gritty details that I won't like necessarily get into but it the the thread is we trusted that that was now what was gonna unfold and we took each step along the way and it all unfolded like completely easefully and like as we were kind of imagining it would and um like a perfect way to kind of like summarize that is by the time that we got to this Airbnb where I would give birth to my second daughter there was a gorgeous it's a plant called bougainvillea which is a oh, yeah, flower those. A flower that's exactly mm. the same color as the azalea <laughs> and so it was like mm -hmm. totally I just like knew I was like oh I guess this is where I'm meant to be because like there's the color and there's there she is again and yeah so that's been really special and um I could like maybe quickly get into the second birth story yeah yeah if okay. you feel like you have time that'd be nice sure okay um so that one so that pregnancy also of course like super wild pregnancy but like way more like active like I was not able to just like sit around <laughs> I was moving again and packing and like yeah figuring out all these things and then flying to Costa Rica and, and actually traveling a lot I, I um, went back to Ontario where I'm from to see my family for a month before we went to Costa Rica and so yeah I was like super active but that I was like ready for that too like I felt great in my body the whole time um and yeah so that was good it felt like yeah different iteration of the wild pregnancy but like it also exactly the same um and so by the time we got here I was like probably more like eight months pregnant like I kept being like yeah I'm gonna like go to Costa Rica I'll be seven months pregnant that's totally fine I was probably more like eight um based on when she was born but it was just totally fine we like had a month 
in the capital city of Costa Rica. And then we came, we're just kind of like up this mountain area now. Um, and so we got there like August 5th uh, to the place where we would be staying. And uh, my daughter was born August 21st. So I was kind of like orienting to like, I probably have like until like mid September, but it was, it was more like end of August and so mm -hmm. like you're saying yeah very intuitively like because I didn't have any markers I had to just do everything intuitively um and it it was it was totally fine so this one too I really was committed to calling in really good postpartum support even though we were going to be in like a random foreign country <laughs> um in the middle of nowhere but that was actually a little bit easier so I at this point I had been connected to like free birth society uh, community and I was like in the network and I'm still in the network um, really connecting now with like other women who have walked these like sovereign birth paths and like that's a huge part of my life now is like actually building community even if it's online which I think was a huge part of you know my initiation the first time around because I was because I was so isolated I was like really realizing the like detriment of that and so I was like yeah putting myself out there and just like connecting with women and just feeling like kind of more like part of part of something and like with more support even if it's not practical like and that's always a ongoing thing but um anyway I had connect and this was all very synchronistic but I connected with two women who one of them went to the matriarch rising festival we didn't actually cross paths there but she heard about me there and like heard that there was a woman going to costa rica to free birth her baby looking for postpartum support and she was like wow i want to be a traveling postpartum support woman i'm gonna i don't know that sounds great and then it wasn't even in that moment that we connected but like a couple weeks later i had already gotten to costa rica and she i found her again i just like realized that she was like interested in that call so we connected. She was like, yeah, I'm going to come. That sounds amazing. I'll be with you for six weeks postpartum, no matter when your baby's born. So I was like, wow, like that's incredible. Let's decide yeah. when you're going to come. And then she was just committed to staying whenever she was born, six weeks after that. We decided like two witches would just like based on the moon and pulled a tarot card mm -hmm. and like decided what date would be good. We decided August 21st. And so my daughter was born in the middle of the night, like the early, early morning of August 21st. And then this woman shows up th that Aww. afternoon. <laughs> so it couldn't have been Love that. Yeah, could not have been better. Um, and then I, we mm -hmm. had another woman arrive a couple weeks later and she was more kind of taking care of my first daughter in that time. So that was a really important part. And, and I just wanted to speak to that in terms of how I was orienting through that wild pregnancy. It was like really envisioning what I wanted and I wanted really high quality postpartum support so I could even though I had a two-year-old really be committed to the first 40 days and like yeah be very well nourished and just fully heal through that in a beautiful way because I was going to be in the jungle in a beautiful place and yeah that was really important to me so yeah we like got to this gorgeous it's like a cabin in the jungle Airbnb all wood beautiful like windows out to the jungle and I only had yeah a couple weeks until one night I think it was also a Sunday actually um I started feeling all of a sudden like late afternoon that same like low back sensation 
And I was like, I had, you know, I had actually done Yolanda Norris Clark's portal course throughout the pregnancy. There was like a perfect like container that she offered right during my pregnancy. So that was perfect. So I was already like very much in the realm of like, um, yeah, like releasing that pain that that birth needed to be painful. And that was my whole like, yeah, I'm going to have an ecstatic birth for sure. Uh, and then, so that afternoon when I started feeling the low back pain, I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. That like feels really similar to my first birth, but that's, that's fine because I'm not going to have that birth experience this time. So that'll pass and I'll, you know, give birth in a couple of weeks or whatever. But lo and behold, that whole night, um, that pain like intensified again in just a very similar way. Like th that was the only thing that I felt again. Other than I think I was a bit more conscious this time of like the real like physiological process that was happening. And so I did feel more like tightening in like the belly part, but still not like really, really like front. And I don't know if women do feel that. I don't know. It's just, yeah, still my experience was very like back focused. Um, and yeah, it, so like the first sensation probably started at like 3 p.m. I was in total like this is going to pass. I'm going to have a normal night gonna put my daughter to bed I remember putting her to bed and I was like sitting on the edge of her bed singing her a song and I moved through like this whole huge sensation but was just like trying to play it really cool and just like really orienting to I'm I'm gonna go to bed like I don't I don't feel like giving birth and this is this will pass um and that was yeah kind of this weird vibe that I took on for several hours like that was, I put my daughter to bed probably at, like eight and then probably for like three hours, I just went from like, really, I was trying to go to bed, but it would be so uncomfortable. And I would have such huge sensations, and then feel like I like wanted to go to the bathroom. And I was just going back and forth from like the bed to the bathroom, wanting to like, release everything. And also let this whole thing pass and like go to bed. <laughs> so that was just like my whole vibe. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was still very like profound. Like I had a lot of like, um, kind of like awareness like like kind of psychedelic awareness come through not in like a visual way but in like a consciousness way um of like what I was moving through and I really was in this process of um letting go of pain and so it was like intensely painful but I was very aware that it was totally up to me to like choose to let it go and if I could just like relax and like like actually let it go like not even just in like the physical relaxing but in this like idea that I didn't need to carry this pain it would go away. And so it was like very interesting because it was very hard for me to do that. And I wasn't, I really wasn't doing that with every sensation. Like I would have like little glimmers of like, okay, this is me and I can like let that go. And I don't need that to be painful, but it still was. So I was in this conflict of like, why am I holding on to that pain? And why do I need this to be painful right now? So that was like a, a little bit trippy. Um, and so I did yeah. that until about midnight. And then I was kind of like, okay, like, in a in a weird place of like denial and frustration and just like not in like a like a nice <laughs> sacred birth portal really I was in like I'm ready for this to stop happening and so I realized that I really needed to shift that and so I woke my partner up and I was like okay these sensations aren't going away so I'm gonna actually just like be with them because I've been trying to deny them this whole time I need to like yeah get I need to shift um, could you please change the sheets on the bed because they were white sheets and I had got these like orange sheets that I wanted so that I could just feel like I could like really make a mess. So he was like, yeah, I'll yeah, change them. And so now I had like a nest again on this bed and that felt good. It was like a refresh, whatever. 
um and like partner and I were like okay great I, and I was kind of like yeah like expressing to him like I'm really frustrated this is really painful and I didn't want this like why is this so painful blah 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 um and you know he was it, it, the the birth wasn't really a super connective point for my partner and I it wasn't like it wasn't bad but we have talked about this like I think both of us were in like a bit of a weird place of like denying what was happening and so we didn't have a lot of yeah connection in that time but he was still like incredibly supportive he was so he was ready to just be like you like go for it like yeah I'm supporting you in whatever way I'm here's the sheets now like do whatever you need to do and I didn't actually give kind of like the timeline in that first birth story but that was about 30 hours from the waters releasing until her birth so like a whole day like many many hours um and so he was kind of expecting and I guess maybe I was like subconsciously expecting it to be that long too and so he was like okay I'm gonna go to bed there was like a loft bed he was gonna go sleep up there while I like whatever moved through this for the next 20 hours or whatever um and so he leaves and like I'm like can shut the door like <laughs> I need to like yeah be with this now for me what what it felt like was like as soon as he shut the door I had like the a huge sensation that like for the first time ever I was like okay I'm gonna like let this sensation be what it is instead of like I guess what I was really doing was like resisting the mm -hmm. entire time in that sensation I had like a pop and a gush of water and then what I think wouldn't have been more than like two other sensations on that third sensation my entire body opens and her entire body comes out and lands on the bed <laughs> and then mm -hmm. and so yeah and so then she was there she was and my partner had not even made it up to the loft he had like gone to the bathroom and he hears from the bathroom like her little cry <laughs> comes back in, and he's like what um and I was like I I just did it I just I just did it <laughs> and that was yeah so epic and amazing and so exactly like her her story like she's just like okay so like I'm coming like is everybody ready and we're like okay oh oh you're coming oh okay everyone get ready like, and she's like and I'm coming and I'm here <laughs> and we're like just like constantly trying to yeah catch up but she's like lets us know like it, from 3 p.m onward I could have been like wow I'm like entering the birth portal and I'm like giving birth and I, I really do believe it could have been so much more useful if I had just like dropped in right then um and of course that's like in retrospect and like it, it is what it is mm -hmm. um but I, I can say like the, her emergence was totally like not blissful but completely not painful like my whole body just felt like this magical portal opened and I had no pain whatsoever like from her emergence onward like no mm. caring yoni pain anything no after pain um and I, I feel like even that's a testament to like as soon as I was like oh it's birth like then birth happened and it was all good <laughs> like nothing was painful so yeah that's a really interesting part of that to me and again why I would say like if I would be like blessed to give birth again I would be even farther in this idea that like birth is a like glorious wonderful experience and I would be so like happy to experience it again hmm. yeah it's interesting for me to hear as well because I just finished Yolanda's book portal so I've been immersed in these ideas too of of like how much you can shift and create your reality and especially during birth and how 
yeah, we can choose how we interpret the sensations and actively choose like this identity of suffering or like totally surrendering to it, which it sounds like you did the second that, you know, you just like shut the door. Yeah. You finally surrendered to them and it, yeah, it just completely changed from there as well. Okay. So I always wonder, yeah, it, it just makes me think like how it's probably more accessible when you're alone for a lot of women, I would imagine, um, to really, cause I feel very similar to you or, um, there are people around me, like I'm going to get into a complaining mode a little bit. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. during your first birth, it's just, it's just natural kind of. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I think it may be like, I see it as kind of this, like it's, it's the remnants of the cultural conditioning of like, I, I expect you to think that this is a really hard, intense, painful thing. So it's almost like I'm like taking on that role because I'm expected to do that. You expect me to do that. I expect to do that. And like, it's that dynamic, which is also kind of goes to show how significant it could be for like radical birth keepers to come into the space being like, I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe that this has to be hard and painful for you. So I'm not expecting you to act like that. Um, and I wonder if that could also kind of shift the dynamic, you know, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really deep conditioning. So yeah, I'll be so interested to hear one day how your, you know, your third birth goes when you've, um, just continue to integrate all these, all these things, but it's really cool to, to hear that you, thought about these concepts and you kind of integrated them in your birth and that you were able to shift what, what happened and how it felt. So it's just a cool story. Wow. Thank you. And then, so did you, yeah. So how is that? Um, how is it with your older daughter meeting her and just your postpartum time? That feel, I mean, you had that woman with you. It was like, (laughs) amazing. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Couldn't have been better timing. So she was going to arrive like 3 PM the next day, you know, like, yeah, she was born at just after almost 1 AM. And that was, yeah. Interesting. It was different than my first daughter because then it was the middle of the night and I was still like, I'm going to bed (laughs) as soon as I can. I'm actually like snuggling up and going to bed. So that was still like the vibe. We like, yeah, got all cozy and warm and, um, she, yeah. Um, I fed her and then, and we totally did. We like all fell asleep that day and then woke up in the morning. Um, and my daughter, my, my first daughter didn't wake up at all. Like didn't make a sound was like totally asleep the entire time. Um, and, and we, I think we woke her up at like nine or something, 9am. Um, and it was like, yeah, the sweetest more like Christmas morning, like magical beyond magical. Lewin has always loved, my first daughter has always loved, like she loved me being pregnant. She loved the idea of baby coming. So, and to this day, like loves, loves, loves her baby sister. And so, yeah, it was like the sweetest little, she wanted to hold her right away and like, baby came out and yeah just like totally understood the whole concept baby was in mama's tummy now baby's here it's the best thing ever um so so sweet and then yeah the my birth or my postpartum birth keeper arrived that afternoon couldn't have been more perfect I loved that the bubble like the postpartum bubble was intact for like she got to step into that as opposed to us 
because I didn't really know her, you know, like we connected in this way, but um, yeah, I'd never met her before. So I liked that she was able to come in and we didn't have to have this like pre like a couple weeks, which I was expecting to have of like, we're kind of, you know, cohabitating and like just in the rhythm of daily life. We didn't need to do that at all. All we needed to do together was like the six week postpartum bubble, which just felt really special um, and totally, yeah, sacred. Um, and that like, it, it's like a total initiation unto itself, like the postpartum time. Like I wouldn't say that that was easy, even though it was like definitely like perfect. Like it was exactly my vision of like the care and support and like everything that I needed in that time. Like other than you could just never have enough hands, you know, like there could never be enough people to like support my daughter in entertaining herself in that time you know like so of course we could have that could have been better and then she could have had less tv time and less i don't know maybe meltdowns or whatever but like the whole integration process i think just unfolded exactly as it is meant to which is like a whole like massive reshifting of the family and like also a really weird time of like what like mom's in bed for six weeks like that's weird that would be weird anytime um but we like all like did it together and it was it was amazing like and I just really took it on as like this is I want to like have this container and see what happens if I like allow myself to move through the like intact container and so I just like really prioritize that and let the feelings happen and let the awareness come through and I felt like yeah just a ton of deepening into this idea of like how like significant and amazing it is to get to be the mother like and be the mother role and like how it like sounds kind of cheesy but like the like love was just so present and how like love energy is the most potent thing and so if I can do everything in this like pursuit of being as connected to love as I possibly can that's like the way um and so that was just like yeah super present for me it's something that I've carried forth and just this idea of like I get to honor my own energy and like get to feel good um and if I'm not feeling good then no one is gonna feel good around me or like what I'm doing won't feel as good and so like how do I get to like live my life the way that I want to in a way that makes me feel the best that was like really um coming through strongly and I feel like I've absolutely carried it beyond the postpartum time because now I'm like stepping into my offerings in like a like bolder way than I ever have and like really feeling like I'm ready to like take on what I wanted to do. Um, if I could talk a little bit about in that yeah. first postpartum time where I was mm -hmm. working on that project, I really feel, and this, I'm so like passionate about like exploring this and like sharing my experience of this, but I feel so much that I like got to like the core of what I love in the world and like what my quote unquote offering, like not in a specific way, but in like a broad way of like my energy and like what I can offer the world. I feel like I connected to that. And I like realized what I could create in this world that would just be everything. Like it would be the thing that fuels me. It would be the thing that people need the most. It would, it would just be everything. And I just feel like I tapped into that something. And that has been the thing that has beckoned me now ever since. And so there's a bunch of like tangible, practical things that have kind of been like, you could do this and now you could do this. And like, and so I've like moved towards those things. 
and even among those because then they get kind of like a little bit mundane or like that the the thing is make a website and the thing is make a whatever <laughs> if i keep doing those things i do feel like i'm getting closer and closer to this something that i that i tapped into when i was in that creative process of like really getting to like the core of of who i am and so that's what i i feel so affirmed in it too because in that first time and when I was in like the basement, the like in my partner's parents basement or whatever, what I was working on is now still the things that have carried forth into this like next iteration of the spiral. Like they still feel as potent to me and they still feel like when I tap into like, what should I do? Those are the things that are like, yeah, this is the thing, still the thing. You knew that it was the thing. And then it's just about how to actually articulate it, how to actually like put it out into the world. Um, and I'm just like pursuing that path of like following it so similar. That's why like conscious conception is so tied into it for me. It feels so similar. I was like consciously conceiving my child. Now I'm consciously conceiving my business or like my lifestyle or like just this other thing that's now beckoning me and I get to follow it in the same intuitive ways. Um, so that was really powerful coming out of that postpartum experience. I felt ready once again and like reinitiated into the next step of what I already knew I had been orienting towards. And now I'm just continuing to do it. And so what that looks like now is this Mighty Networks group dedicated to women who are similarly kind of trying to cultivate a creative path. And so, yeah, the way that I have felt the like path unfolding, I'm just like so interested in if other women uh, like, yeah, feel that way. And then what it could mean to like actively cultivate those types of spaces and like share along the way type thing. Because in my like first creative journey, it was very lonely and very like daunting to just constantly be like, am I seriously going to do this? Like, I don't know what this means or like whatever. And I just think it could be, if not easier, it could just be more fun <laughs> to have other women around you who are doing similar things and kind of understand what comes up when we're like really deeply engaging in like cultivating authentic creative expression. Um, yeah, that's the, that's my, that's my focus right now is to cultivate that type of space. Um, mostly because I want to share about the journey and like the experience of it that I've had. And I really have heard so many women in my life express that that is the thing that's kind of missing for them like they feel called to this idea this like nebulous concept of creativity but don't really know where to start and don't even know what that really means for them in their life i'll put that in the show notes so women can check out and then any other things that you want them to to look into and yeah I think if anyone here who's listening is in Costa Rica they should reach out to you so you guys can keep building the community down there definitely and that would be awesome yeah thank you for just thanks for just sharing your your birth stories are just so beautiful and simple and it's always just so inspiring to me when women just they they own no sovereign birth and and they just have you know, they don't have that traumatic imprint. It's just, it, it, 
yeah, it really, um, I don't even have all the words, but it just inspires me so much for our future that there's just more women choosing this and like every single woman that has chosen like a path like ours, like mine, it's because we've like heard all of these stories, um, most of the time. So, so thank you. I think it'll inspire women. And then also your conception project will maybe give some women, like, like you were saying, like they want to express themselves creatively, but don't have a model. So maybe it will, you know, spark something for them to read through that and look through it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. That is my hope. Thank you for listening and being here. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to have you share it with a friend and review this podcast. It really helps to have more women find these conversations. You can check out all I offer, including herbal elixirs for wild mothers and women, my book on pelvic healing, and show notes for these episodes at bethanywild.com. Together now, oh, wild sisters singing over the bones.